0: Barry Preston joining us now (laughs) and it's Thursday Finance on to a new RFM. And let's start off with commodities. Have they been moving around a bit?
1: V- v- commodities have been very, very stable, actually. Gold's at $1,350 Australian an ounce, which is up $5 Australian from the previous week. Silver, very little change there, $21.04 an ounce. Copper, down $47 per tonne Australian to 7141 And nickel is up $428 per tonne to 19845 Tin down 317 a tonne to 24,028. Currency, very little movement in the currencies. Uh, We're stronger against the US dollar. We're also stronger against the New Zealand dollar and weaker against the uh, Chinese yuan, rin, minbi, actually. It's about the only one we're stronger, which is peanuts. It's 0.01. So if you look at it, we... Look at uh, $94. Sorry, let me start again. 94 cents uh, we would get for an Australian dollar. We'd get that in US. And the British pence, 55.3 to our dollar. Chinese yuan minbi, 5.85. New Zealand dollar, we would get approximately 107.8. The euro, 69.2 to our dollar. And Canada, the same as what it was last week, 101.9. If you're heading off to the Falkland Islands, it's exactly the same as the British but it's called the Falkland Island pound. So you get approximately 55.3 Falkland pounds to your Australian dollar, which is exactly the same as British pence. I wonder why. It must be something to do with Britain though. there, isn't
0: it? Well, I dare say so it is.
1: <laughs> the markets, our market was down over the week 69 points to 5,363, but I think it might have recovered most of that today, actually. The US Dow now, up. 63 points to another record, 16,906. The Nasdaq, 4,362, up 31. And the UK FTSE down 60 to 6,778. A lot of these percentages movements are are not even 1%, so I don't really mention them at this stage. Uh, The Japanese Nikkei up 46 points to 15,115. The Hang Seng down 76 points to 23,181. Oil. Well, as one would expect, it's moved up a little bit, but we're going to ask Henry about this peak oil in a moment and we'll just see whether there's any need for it to go up. Um, Oil, our oil in the sorry, our petrol in Newcastle averages 155.9. Breaking news, it's down 0.004 of one cent. However, we're still not as cheap as the Central Coast, 152.2, and they're up 1.2 cents. Interesting. I don't know why. Diesel Newcastle, 159.5. Central Coast, 159.8. Poor old Sydney. Their petrol jumped 12.8 cents a litre to 156.1. For what reason? Competition. Ah. <laughs> and their diesel is 154.4. And, of course, the cheapest in the state, 148 at Grafton. But their diesel is still point. When you are FM, Thursday
0: finance at 24 past 12.00. And it's time for a market snapshot, Barry Preston.
1: Certainly with Henry Jennings. And, of course, comments made during our program are for general discussion. You must always seek your own advice and a product disclosure statement should be obtained and considered before obtaining a financial product. Staff associated with Pritchard and Partners of Limited or BBY stockbrokers may hold or trade shares in companies mentioned on this program. Pritchard's Financial Services Licence, 246712 BBY 238095. How are the eyes holding up, Henry, with this uh, soccer match?
2: Um, I must admit this morning was a little early and it was quite hard to get to sleep afterwards. Ah. So, uh, yes, but I think we've got another early one as well.
1: Okay. Tomorrow. (laughs) The round ball. The round ball. Royal Dutch Shell uh, exits uh, Woodside. I believe it's reducing its holding from 23% down to 14%, only $5 Now, what will that do to Woodside? And uh, then it won't have much in foreign investments uh, in it.
2: No. Well, as you rightly say, Barry, um, Shell has uh, finally decided to pull the pin and sell out of its Woodside shares. It was carrying about 24% from a failed takeover bid from some years ago when it was knocked back uh, by the government. Um, and they have sold down. I think they're going to be sort of around 5 or 6% at the end of the day, um, with a combination of selling out to investors and Woodside themselves buying back those shares from Shell, which is a little unusual. But, um Yeah, it's been interesting. As far as Woodside goes, they had a shocker yesterday after the placement was done. At forty-one thirty-five, the placement was done. The stock fell um, way underneath that price, but today they have recovered and they are slightly above water, which is, I guess, a positive at yep. the moment anyway.
1: And the saga of David Jones were going to be merged oh, with Myers, and now we're looking at Woolworths. We're talking about Woolworths South Africa. They it seems mm. to be in limbo now by a gentleman called Solomon Lou from Melbourne, who is increasing his holding. He's up to ten percent, I think.
2: That's exactly right, Solly Lou, who's the uh, who was for many years. Pursuing Meyer and was ahead of Meyer's for, for some years. Um, has been bought around 10% of David Jones. Now, Mark is not really sure what he's trying to do. There are some speculations that he is a shareholder at the moment in a thing called Country Road, which you would all be familiar with. Um, and he's been locked in there as a partner with, uh, Woolies for some time and wants to get out. So I guess he's hoping that his 10% holding in David Jones, which may or may not be enough to scuttle the proposed takeover, can give him some extra muscle. Mm to uh, get a satisfactory outcome in Country Road, but it, certainly the plot does thicken.
1: Interesting. Iron ore dropped below 90, but I believe it went up again yesterday. Now, that uh, the big ones, BP, BHP and Rio Tinto, won't, uh, there won't be much difference there, of course, but the others, uh, Fortescue Metals and these smaller uh, iron ore miners might uh, cop some, uh, what do you call it, some, uh, some hits, but uh, I don't understand this iron ore thing. What's happening with it?
2: Well, the, the, the real problem with the iron ore thing is that demand has... has flackened off a little bit, shall we say. But what also has happened simultaneously is that we've seen a, a big increase in supply, and we've seen the big major companies like Rio's and BHP continue to pump out record production, and of course, if you're producing a lot more of something, and the demand, tends, the demand is falling off a little bit, you do get a weakening in the price. Now, it's always said that uh, you know, BHP and Rio, because they've been around for so long, their sunk costs are um, you know, considerably less than someone like the Johnny-come-latelys like Fortescue, And as a result, they can withstand these low prices for longer. But, you know, it's still quite painful for BHP and RIOs, um, Mm -hmm. especially when they have to take a discount on some of the lower quality iron ore as well. And RIOs has announced that they're probably around 13% discount on some of the uh, the lower quality stuff. So it's hurting everyone at the moment.
1: Mm, Interesting. We talk about shares going up and up and up and so forth. There's been a huge one, a 10-bagger easy, LNG, liquid natural gas. or Is that liquid natural gas or liquid nitrogen? I'm not sure. Still around. Oh, what happened it's
2: here? Liquid, let's hope it's liquid natural. Otherwise, they're going to have some serious problems. <laughs> um, it, uh, it has run and run and run and run this one. Um, it's got a project in the US, which is home of the shale gas. Um, they've moved into a project over there, and there's a number of very high-profile funds um, that have been buying this one. It has it has had an absolutely meteoric rise. Back in February, it was about thirty odd cents, going nowhere, and now it is two dollars fifty so wow. not bad at all if you can get it so at the moment a lot of people are riding the coattails of this one and the US guys seem to like it um, you know we'll wait and see whether it's actually uh, going to happen but you know, it's a billion dollar company now so it's gone from a tin pot little company to a billion dollar company in the space of uh, four months
1: Interesting, remember people if you take profits it's very difficult to go broke. Now another one ISU, Iselect this is an interesting, oh I, is he I select? I'm not sure about this one. Yeah it is. Interesting it is. little company, Uh, what does this do?
2: Um, I select, as your listeners will probably be aware, from the TV ads with the, the bald guy um, flying his hands around a sort of imaginary computer uh, plasma screen. Um, these guys do a, a comparison for a number of products, mainly in the healthcare uh, industry in terms of your private health funds, so you can compare your products quite easily. Um, they also do uh, life insurance, uh, moving into mortgages, and also doing energy. So basically, any products that we need that are you know, not the most exciting, things that people have to buy so you're not getting much, um, much glamour for your buck their necessities, but they are very complicated and there's a very competitive market out there, so they try and make it simple for you to choose which policy whether it's health, life, mortgage or energy, suits you best, so um, it's an interesting company, they've been around some time um, with a new CEO who we met this week So mm. um, yes,
1: That sounds, it could be interesting for people who uh, you know, thinking, oh my God, what do I read these product disclosure statements of three or four hundred pages. I mean, fair dinko. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not
2: made things easier, all these uh, PDSs that run to 400 pages of, of complete legal gobbledygook that investors are supposed to read.
1: Even in the simple things like bread, Coles cop flack from the court, and <laughs> rightly so, fresh bread. It cost them, well, it cost the shareholders about $1.1 million, Some yeah. go, anyway. Yeah, what happened here? Equipment.
2: Yes, well, it's going to certainly stop their profits from rising quite as fast as, <laughs> as, as they would like. But, uh, yes, it was, um, it was a, I think some of these supermarkets run a little bit fast and loose with uh, how they describe their products, and certainly this was one of them.
1: Interesting. I read today green bonds. Now, what are these things? It's nothing to do with colour, I believe, but it's something to do with the environment, is it not? Barry, you've
2: caught me on the hop, really. The green bonds.
1: Yeah, that's I... new. I think mean, they reckon they're going to go big. I believe it's something to do with buildings or uh, environment. Oh, yeah. So we might pick this one up next week. What do you reckon? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds a bit like an energy trading, so a carbon emission yeah. trading scheme.
1: I'm not sure really, what it is.
2: Which, which is what they call the carbon tax. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not that one.
1: It's something to do with a bond, but it's, uh, I skimmed over it and I really didn't pick up on it, but I thought no, well, Henry Jennings would know all about this. No, well, you caught me on the hop there, Barry. I do apologise. It's to do with the soccer, I know. We'll be back in a moment when we we'll go overseas and have a look at some little companies over there, or some big companies over there.
0: Thursday Finance on 2NURFM and we are in the middle of our market snapshot, Barry Preston.
1: We certainly are. We're just about to go offshore. But before we do, there's a couple of companies called, I think it's General Motors and Toyota. Now, there's a joke going around at the moment. They want to know what's the difference between General Motors, Toyota and politicians.
2: I think uh, I think they all have something in common. That uh, well, actually, the, uh, the it's about the no recall. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> General General Motors has actually recalled more cars in 2014 that are actually made in 2012 and 2013. So, so um, mm-hmm. the uh, the politicians have a no recall policy, but obviously Toyota and uh, and Holden don't. I've <laughs> had a little look at green bonds as well. Very well, we've been uh, yeah. listening to the weather. So these these are basically. Uh, uh, bonds that are issued by companies who are going to invest in um, green projects that are designed to, to address the challenges of, the, uh, of, of climate change. So, basically, if, you, if you're a good, uh, if you're going to invest money in uh, something that's going to help the environment, you can issue green bonds, which is raising money. And they've just raised some money, the Chinese, for some of these green bonds in London.
1: Oh, we, we might keep following that one. That's an interesting mm. one. That. Now, peak oil. We've heard about peak oil. There was once upon a time there was fear factor. It seems not to be such a boogie man now because I believe that in 1993 they had something like uh, proven reserves of 1.04 trillion barrels and I think now it's about 1.7 trillion barrels so peak oil seems to have moved away. Once upon a time a war in the Middle East I mean they've always been fighting over there but would shoot up the price of oil, not so much now.
2: Well not so much. I mean, the the biggest consumer of oil um, these days is obviously the US and China becoming more and more of a consumer and the the technology revolution that we've seen in our lives with iPads and smartphones, etc has extended to the oil industry and as a result they've become more efficient they've become better at getting at things that are harder to find a bit like the stuff down the back of my sofa and also (laughs) they have discovered the joys of shale gas in the US which has revolutionised The business climate in the U.S. And as a result, the U.S. has become pretty much self-sufficient now in energy, and it has allowed their industries to uh, access cheap energy. So although they don't have as cheap labor as China, they do have um, a cheap supply of energy, whereas China has cheap labor and expensive energy, the U.S. has the opposite. So it has helped. So the Middle East conflicts don't have quite such a big effect now when the biggest consumer the U.S. has such... um, well, not such a, a great reliance on the product
1: coming out of there. Interesting, interesting, isn't it? Once upon mm. a time, it was shot up, but not so much now. Russia turns off the gas. Now, yeah. this is to you, better pay your bills now what happens when they turn it back on is there a charge to reconnect to something or what but what's sure this all a, about there's
2: a guy comes around with a spanner and uh, you yeah. get a thing on your bill saying yeah another 150 bucks to reconnect the uh the, the money so yeah this this is obviously the the big story or one of the big stories in europe at the moment is the ukraine and uh, they haven't paid for their gas so the russians have decided to cut them off um always um they haven't really taken a lesson from the miners. At the moment, the, the Europeans do seem to be, uh, have a bit of gas on hand, and it's also the summer, so they don't need quite so much gas. So it doesn't have quite such a big effect
1: mm. as, um, as it would do if they turned it off on Christmas Day. Once upon a time on the front pages, and we heard it on the radio and saw it on the television, the USA debt. Now, we don't hear about this anymore. What, do they sh- put it under the carpet or something, or what? I think that's just
2: basically idea. They just push it generally down the road. Um, Certainly, I mean, the U.S. debt of over 17 trillion is is a huge number. Um, The Japanese debt of over um, I think it's one quadrillion is an even, yen that is not dollars, thankfully, Mm. (laughs) um, is is a pretty huge number as well. Japan is in far worse state than the U.S. And the U.S. is actually um, starting, I guess you could say, it's turning the corner in some respects because its income is increasing and it has managed to control its uh, expenditure to some extent. So um, we're seeing, you know, a better economic environment in the U.S both um, personally and corporately, which is having a good effect on their balance sheet. So they're actually, uh, at the moment, they're in surplus rather than deficits every month. Mm. So that is helping their budget. And I guess also the other great thing that's helping their budget is the fact that they've withdrawn all their troops from uh, Iraq mm. and uh, they are about to pull out of Afghanistan. So that will save them a...
1: Billions, billions, billions.
2: Up front anyway. It may not save them in the long run, but uh, certainly up front under Mr. Obama, that will save them an awful lot of money.
1: China says or reports and analysts say that it seems house prices are taking a tumble. Half of the city, I think there were 70, 70 cities, half of them have seen house prices drop. Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I guess, um, you know, one of the, the, the great conundrums of China has been this massive boom in, in house prices, as it seems to be their most favoured form of speculation. Um, and this has been coupled with the fact that most of these houses stand absolutely empty. Uh, and we've heard about ghost cities, but it does seem that the Chinese government has been clamping down on property developers um, and clamping down on how much money uh, people can borrow against uh, properties. And as a result, we have seen some, some quite big falls in some of the cities around China in terms of their property values. And it may explain why some of these uh, canny investors have been buying property overseas.
1: Mm, Interesting. Henry, thank you very much indeed. Let's hope the soccer goes well. I hope you enjoy it. Pleasure. Thank you, Barry. I
2: look forward to England winning tonight against Uruguay.
0: Thursday Finance and Barry Preston, a subject that's going to be really interesting now.
1: This, This is an exciting little company, Dysol. Now, this is a company that uh, had a big uh, international company, I think it's called Tasni, uh, spend a fair amount of money buying into Dysol. Now, Dysol does something that's called uh, Dysol cells, and we've got t- today uh, the managing director, Richard Caldwell, who recently returned from meetings in Turkey, and the European, he had a European roadshow over there with the company. He's also been with us before, and I believe he's a native of Newcastle or has some connection with Newcastle. How are you, uh, Richard?
3: Very well, thank you, Barry. Uh, yes, I did grow up on the shores of Lake Macquarie, so it's a pleasure to uh, be in touch with the region again.
1: <laughs> okay. It's been some time since we talked about Dysol. Could you tell us briefly what it does? In layman's terms, because I know this is a very, very scientific uh, operation, but if you can tell us so we can understand it.
3: For those who haven't heard of Dysol, we are a renewable energy company and global leader in the research and development of a solid-state solar Cell technology As you mentioned, um, these are uh, cells inspired by photosynthesis. They work by layering low-cost photosensitive materials in ultra-thin layers which are encapsulated. They have many advantages, uh, low manufacturing cost, stable electric current and uh, a strong competitive advantage in low-light conditions when compared to existing technologies. It is these benefits and the fact that the technology can be integrated into building materials that make it a game-changer. Dysol is headquartered in Queensland. It has a team of scientists, engineers and chemists working in locations around the globe, developing the technology with a particular focus on making improvements to performance, durability and efficiency. Importantly, we are making progress and now on the aggressive path to commercialisation. In fact, as recent as March, we we announced yet another technical milestone in industrial efficiency, and the uh, trajectory remains really steep. Researchers are now uh, achieving 20% efficiencies in the labs.
1: Wow, that's great. 20%. Yeah, hmm.
3: pretty impressive.
1: Okay, now, as I mentioned in the introduction, Dysol recently had a very large company take a strategic stake in its business. What does this mean to Dysol and its shareholders?
3: Well, during the uh, crisis in the solar industry during 2011 and 12, it became particularly difficult to attract investment. TASNI was attracted to invest in us as it had a long-term view on the positive prospects of solar as an energy source and has complementary technology. Dysol collaborates with TASNI's global subsidiary, Crystal in developing titanium-based compounds for use in its devices. To get back to your question... What does this mean for Diasol? Quite simply, it means we have strength in our balance sheet, which is quite something, given many clean tech companies didn't survive the global financial
1: crisis. No, that's right.
3: Those that have survived have emerged very strongly and um, with really competitive technologies.
1: Interesting. I notice, uh, I keep a. close watch on Dysol and read about it because we've had you on the program before and it's an interesting, fantastic little company. There's no doubt Dysol wants to get into the commercial stage of developing its many products and I believe there was some interest from Turkey. Now, what's happening over there?
3: Well, you're right, Barry. Um, Dysol is now on an aggressive path to commercialisation. This is driven in part by our recapitalisation but I guess primarily our goal is to achieve first-mover advantage in the building-integrated photo- photovoltaic market known quite simply as BIPV. The transition from liquid-based to solid-state materials is a game-changer and opens up very large markets. The BIPV market is growing rapidly and is estimated to grow to more than $5 billion by the end of 2015.
0: Mm.
3: In this market, our technology is said to be a game-changer, enabling all building services in all directions to generate clean energy, even in low-light conditions. Bolt on renewables will be no more. Instead, the integration of solar cells will typically be, at the time of new build, cost-effective and grid-competitive. Um, our aggressive path to commercialisation involves working with partners, and this includes reviving a joint commercialisation opportunity in Turkey. Turkey has a large population, has a strong building construction sector, and a very large energy deficit. This is, therefore... Um, it is therefore keen to uh, support our technology that will make it more energy
1: self-reliant. Interesting, interesting. Now, I know you've got contacts in Singapore, and one that I was interested in, I think it was Korea. You actually, uh, to our listeners, uh, what they do is they build this into glass windows and on roofs of buildings, so it can be there for many, many, many years. I think you put some windows in a building in Korea? Was it Uh,
3: Korea? Absolutely, well-remembered. Our business has certainly moved on since the installation of window prototypes in Korea back in 2012. That was using the uh, liquid material set, which faced some niggling durability challenges. Korea still plays an important role in our business model, and is helping to upscale the new material set and provide engineering solutions for mass production. Like Turkey, uh, Korea is an attractive market with similar characteristics and it will undoubtedly be a prime opportunity for product release, which is set to commence in 2016 at various demonstration sites around the world.
1: Interesting, interesting. Look, this is interesting, very interesting. What we're going to do, Richard, is have a break and then come back and I've got some more questions here because uh, this is interesting. When I say interesting very much, it works on photosynthesis. In other words, it doesn't have to have the sun shining.
3: That's right. We call it biomimetic. Just like an indoor plant, it survives and thrives.
1: Wow. Okay, well, we'll catch up with some more questions when we come back.
0: With Richard Corwell uh, from Dysol. Thursday finance, and we're looking at capturing solar energy, Barry Preston.
1: But capturing it without the sun shining, which is fantastic. A little company we're talking with the managing director today, Richard Corwell, is Dysol. Now, Richard, there are many reports, and we see it on television, the concern, or shall I say, smog in the European, UK, China areas. Do you think Dysol's products could help in some way with this?
3: Barry, the short answer is absolutely. Uh, Our technology has the advantage of being able to generate electricity in low-light conditions. This means any building surface, no matter which way it is facing, will have the potential to generate electricity. In addition, it is bifacial, which means it can harvest light energy generated from within a building and recycle it. Wow. This will lead to lower fossil fuel usage and obviously lower CO2 emissions.
1: Fantastic. Now, from my understanding, the products Dysol or its many partners can produce to add to glass for buildings. So if you had a glass building and we'd see many of these or metal roof buildings, they would be their own powerhouse. Or in other words, they'd produce their own electricity and uh, that's, that's brilliant.
3: Sure. Um, you know, our concept is one of, of making um, or turning buildings into power stations. It. it It may seem that we've been a long time in coming, but um, the reality is significant progress is being made every day. Uh, It's important to remember we are going after what we consider to be the holy grail of renewables, B I P V And you mentioned... Consumption on... Sorry. Sorry, go on your own. No, no, just consumption on buildings at the point of production, which is quite unique. It really... um... Uh, translates into amazing um, efficiency savings.
1: And when you say efficiency savings, you mentioned something a moment ago, 20%. What's that mean, 20%? Well,
3: it means for every um, packet of energy that uh, arrives on the Earth's surface, we can turn it into uh, 20% of its initial um, power output, which is, which is um, equivalent to the same sorts of efficiencies that are being um, uh, recorded with, with silicon uh, solar energy, but of course, with the new material set, we're seeking to make much lower cost panels, which will ultimately make us grid competitive and therefore a truly viable alternative to um, to fossil fuels, which we which we currently uh, largely rely on.
1: And these uh, things will be built into the building. So if you can see a glass tower, you can say, "Wow, that's a powerhouse." Absolutely.
3: So, so, you know, with a glass tower, you've got the windows, and uh, in industrial warehousing, you're you're really taking more advantage of this huge surface area on the roof.
1: Richard, in closing, the government has announced it intends to abolish the Australian Renewable Energy Agency and scrap the renewable energy target. Now, what does that mean for Dysol?
3: Well, it's a tricky question, Barry, I guess, but uh, I'm happy to be on the record. Um, Dysol considers the Australian government's policy in relation to developing renewable energy as short-sighted and, and pretty much uninformed. Um, renewable energy technologies can help arrest the destructive effects of climate change and create substantial jobs growth. We don't believe the government's approach has strong electoral support either. Um, for Dysol, our work will progress and we'll continue to attract some of the finest scientists, engineers and chemists in the country and value the support of our strategic investors and shareholders who are stuck by us regardless of the uh, economic policies of the day. I think our shared vision for the future goes beyond politics. Yeah. Our technology in BRPV is about creating a sustainable energy future for everyone.
1: Look, if, if you can build buildings with windows that generate electricity and roofs that generate electricity, I believe it comes onto the colour bond type thing. It's interesting. Oh, by the way, can anyone go in and have a look at your website?
3: Absolutely. If you come to your, um, our website, you'll pick up the thread of a lot of things we've been uh, talking or touching on today and uh, be able to get the detail. Um, we, um, we strive to uh, you know, be in touch with our investors and obviously anyone who's taking a, a new interest in our company.
1: And would your website be au or is it just .com? Uh, .com right. and um,
3: you can uh, pick us up there and uh, our ticker on the ASX is DYE.
1: Richard, we've uh, enjoyed the discussion. I know it's a technical uh, subject, but uh, when we talk about it in simple terms, powerhouses on from you know the the building itself and the roof, fantastic. All the very best. Keep safe. We'll see you very soon. My pleasure. Thanks very much, Barry. Bye.
0: And Richard Caldwell from uh, Dysol, the managing director. Barry Preston, we're almost out of time today, and uh, so that's been a really interesting subject. Look,
1: uh, th- this intrigues me, this. I'm always interested in this little company because if. <laughs> It's built into the glass, and they use a thing called titanium, which you use for toothpaste. Remember, everybody, superannuation. You're running out of time. Please, please, please get on to that. Make sure you do it before, say, next Wednesday. If you put money in, it's got to be done by then.
0: Nearly the 30th of June. Coming up on 2NURFM, we've got the news. Of course, Thursday Finance will be back next Thursday. And after the news, Julian Campbell along with Business, The Law and You.